Bruce Cook is honored to have you join his conversations with people committed to talking with heart and brain functions in full operating gear. No spin, no agenda, just authentic conversation on just about anything. Welcome to the Bruce Cook Conversation. On this Father's Day edition, Bruce welcomes crisis management expert Edward Siegel, who authored the book Crisis Ahead, to talk about the changing of our culture in so many different levels, including corporations changing the names of their products that could be considered racially offensive in the light of the Black Lives Matter movement. Live on AM 830 KLAA tonight, Bruce Cook wraps up the week with talk that's worth tuning into. Sports, people, politics, life, authentic real and happening now. Here's your host, Bruce Cook. Brought to you by New Directions for Women. We know recovery. And happy, healthy Father's Day, Angels Radio listeners. I'm Bruce Cook, and it is Sunday night in Southern California on AM 830. I'd like to start, if you would allow me to, by doing a tribute uh, for Father's Day, a tribute to my father, my, and also my father-in-law, my two fathers. And I'm doing this because of a couple things, mostly because they both deserve a tribute, but also because I hope if you're listening tonight and you haven't done so wherever you are, assuming you're lucky enough to have a father or at least have one that's still living and breathing and loving you, then don't just call them or text them and say, Happy Father's Day. Call them and have a conversation. Reach out to them. If you're close, don't even call them. Go visit them, I guess I should say. But I guess my point is, we don't say things when people are living. We hold back. We, we're timid about it. It's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's very uncomfortable. So on radio tonight, I get a little catharsis because both my father and my father-in-law are no longer with us. Anyway, I've been thinking about both of them today, and especially in light of the fact that our country is in such a mess, so divided and, and so, so uncertain about the very important issues of equality and opportunity and the whole racial divide and how we can change that or make it better. And I have to tell you that the, the subject of quote-unquote white privilege is in the back of my mind. And I'm having trouble grappling with it because I admit and I acknowledge the fact that it is a reality. There is such a thing as white privilege. There's no question about it. However, I also want to believe that in America, certainly in the last 50 years and probably longer than that, anybody of any race or any background in this country has been able to come out of poverty and out of racial prejudice and out of minority status, frankly, with a lot of luck, working twice as hard maybe, but also by taking advantages of the opportunities that do exist in America. And there are so many examples. I mean, for goodness sake, look at our President Obama. I mean, talk about a tide turner. Anyway, let me go back to Father's Day. And, and I'll tell you why as I get into it. But 
it relates back to that white privilege idea. Both my father and my father-in-law, very different men, very different life stories, very different paths they took, totally different. But they did share something in common. They both had lives well lived for the circumstances that they were under, for the path that they each followed. They had lives well lived. They made good choices. And I'll start with my own father. He was born in the East Coast, born in Boston. And his parents left Boston and came to California and left him behind. He was left with an aunt and a nanny. They were starting a new business in California, and the kid had to stay back. He did not join his parents until he was almost 11 years old. Coming to California, living through the Great Depression, serving in the Navy in World War II, his life was pretty much defined by the circumstances that were thrust upon him. And they weren't always perfect. In fact, there were some really hard times. But by the time I came along, he had found comfort. He had found his place. And I have to tell you, and I never told him this, but he was a man that never complained about anything. And he never had a bad word to say about anybody. He respected all people. He had friends at the bottom of the scale and at the top of the scale. And he also was superbly loyal, loyal to his family, loyal to the father that had left him behind in Boston. He stayed with the father who was, had a business, who needed him to work for him, and gave up his own choices. In my entire lifetime growing up, I never heard a curse word in my house. He lived to be 91. And on his 91st birthday, he looked at me and he said, how could I be this old? What happened? But again, he lived a life well lived. And it wasn't a privileged life. He had to fight for everything. He had to work for everything. He wasn't given things, regardless of race, regardless of background or culture. Switching to my father-in-law, similar story, but again, so different. His father died when he was a child. I think he was only one or two years old. He lived in Iowa. His mother was disenfranchised from the rest of his father's family, and she had to leave town. And she picked up and brought my father, my future father-in-law and his slightly older brother to California, again, to the promised land. Settled in a small apartment somewhere off Wilshire Boulevard near Western Avenue. Fast forward many years, my father-in-law recalled being a kid walking down Western Avenue and looking up at the Wiltern building, that beautiful old Art Deco green stone building on the corner of Western and Wilshire, and seeing men 
in suits and ties in windows of the office and thinking someday I'm going to be a businessman and I'm going to have my own office. He did. He did achieve it, and he rose to the very top of his profession, very top of his profession in America, not just in L.A., but all over the country. He was a huge success, and he also did it without privilege. He did it by working hard and by respecting everybody and making good choices. So they shared that in common. Good choices, respect for others, dignity, trust, and loyalty. Ladies and gentlemen, listening tonight, forgive my emotional appeal, but that's what's wrong with America. And that's why, unless we change how we deal with one another one-to-one, -one, in family, in business, in society, unless we show that kind of respect, unless we champion individual rights and values, justice is not one. Equality is not one. Protest, protest is important. Protest is fine. But it's not enough. And it often doesn't change much. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to segue off the emotional Father's Day pitch. And I want to introduce you to my guest because we have a lot to talk about. So much is happening in our country, in our community. Edward Siegel joins me tonight from Washington, D.C. He was on the show at the start of the pandemic. And we talked about how our values we're changing so rapidly, given what was happening in our country, the fear that was choking all of us. We didn't know what was happening. And we've come through this pandemic, although we're certainly not out of it, and we landed in a time of enormous racial unrest and, and horrible division. Mr. Siegel is a crisis management expert and he's out of Washington. And he sees what's happening in government. He also sees what's happening in our business world and how we are going to face a lot of challenges ahead. He has a book coming out. Actually, it's been recently renamed, given all that's happening. The book is titled Crisis Ahead. And joining me now on Father's Day... Edward Siegel from Washington, D.C. Edward, are you there? I am, Bruce. Uh, good to be with you again, and uh, I was very touched by the very moving stories uh, you told. So, uh, um, well, I hope I wasn't. Edward, I wasn't going to do that. It just sort of hit me. I just had to do it. So I hope you. I hope you understand. I didn't want to delay you too long. Anyway, well, welcome to the sir. show. Do I wish you a happy Father's Day today? Uh. I'll take all the greetings I can get. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me about the week we've had. I Driving into the station tonight, I heard on another station that 
Eskimo pie was no longer on the market. We've also heard, of course, this week that uh, Quaker Oats has dropped Aunt Jemima syrup. Uncle Ben's rice is out. Branding is changing so rapidly. What does it all mean? Well, I think the answer to that uh, is uh, to be determined because things are changing so much uh, so quickly in our country on so many different levels. I certainly uh, understand and appreciate why uh, companies are doing what they believe is the right thing to do with uh, the Aunt Jemima brand and Uncle Ben's and Eskimo Pies. That's certainly understandable. Uh, however, these are not new problems. Racism didn't start, you know, just a couple weeks ago after uh, George Floyd's death. We've had problems going back literally to the uh, founding of our country. From a crisis management standpoint, there was a rule of thumb is as soon as you see a problem, don't wait and do take take action, do something about it. And for any company to wait literally decades to do something about ostensibly racist uh, logos or pictures or names on their products, uh, their brand, whatever, to wait that long until we're in the middle of this uh, triple threat, this perfect storm of crises, uh, to me, that's another sin uh, for crisis management. Don't if, there, if you see a problem, you hear a problem, do something about it and don't wait. Well, let me interrupt uh, you. Let me interrupt you then. You sort of, you said at the beginning of explanation here that these companies have seen the problem very vividly and clearly with the George Floyd beginning in protests, and so they have acted immediately to drop these brand names as a result. But then again, these brand names have been around for decades, actually even a century, and you said, you know, it's a sin that they didn't act sooner. Well, why didn't they? They were. They didn't have the impetus. They didn't have the pressure. Some companies and organizations, they do things right as a matter of principle and conscience. Others are have to be pushed and tugged and, and pulled and sometimes uh, beaten up in the, in the public, uh, public uh, opinion arena uh, before they do something. And I think they, uh, they took the steps now because if they didn't, uh, things would, would have gotten even worse. It's better that they do it sooner, you know, at some point and never have done it before. But they should have done it decades ago. It's Even hard. They admitted yeah, I know. But it's, they, re it's really hard to believe that in the 1960s, with the enormous racial tension that led to the, to the assassination of King and Kennedy and so many others, that it wouldn't have happened then. Can, can you even explain why these kinds of things had to wait another 50, 60 years? I have no idea. It's a matter, someone once said, there's nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. And that is certainly the case with a lot of what we're seeing seeing right now. The time is right, the time is now, and people are finally stepping up. I wish it was done sooner. Uh, I wish that we didn't have to go through this turmoil for people to, to do the right thing. And for any company or any organization or anyone that's listening tonight that's a manager or a CEO of a company or an organization, or has anything to do with how a company is run, if you see something that needs to be corrected on whatever level, whatever issue, whatever problem, don't wait. Do something now. Take action. Uh, 
stand up and do the right thing. Don't wait until you're in a crisis to do the right thing. If you do the right thing now, that can actually help you prevent from having a crisis in the first place. Except, Edward, what do you say to those that would challenge that statement and say, who's to determine what is the right thing? Well, it doesn't have to be a matter of opinion. You can talk to the experts. If it's a legal issue, talk to your attorney. If it's a marketing issue, talk to the marketing department. If it's a PR issue, talk to the PR professionals. You don't have to go it alone. You don't have to figure it out on yourself. You don't have to have the uh, the problems of the world on, on your shoulder and leaving it up to you. There's a lot of good experts, a lot of good consultants, um, a lot of people you can talk to for good, sound, practical advice for whatever problem you're having. There are bound to be experts there who can help you uh, work with you to help you reach the right decision. And don't wait. You're going to be in so much more trouble if you let a problem fester going forward. If you take steps now, you'll deal with the problem now. And the sooner you have the problem behind you, uh, the better. And then you can go back to normal operations and get on with your life or your business. I'm going to stop you there because we have to take our first commercial break. But I want to leave you with a question uh, to come back to. And that basically is a follow-up on what you're saying about consulting the experts. Is it that the experts really know right from wrong, or is it that they feel that their path of advice, as you just said, will avoid more trouble for a business or a corporation or even a legislature who might be seeking advice in terms of keeping the peace? And maybe it's not about values as, as much as it's about the economy. So with that, Edward, we're going to take a break. When we come back, boy, do we have a lot more to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bruce Cook. It's Angels Radio, Father's Day night in Southern California, AM 830. Stay tuned. Angels Radio, AM 830. If the woman you love, your mother, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, let us help. New Directions for Women, a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility, has the answer. Since 1977, we have helped over 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sober, healthy living, restoring love, hope, and dignity to them and their families. Don't wait another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call us at 888-786-0509 or visit us at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. Again, 888-786-0509. New Directions for Women. We know recovery. Howdy, folks. Colonel Sanders here. When it's time to eat, there's nothing more comforting than comfort food you don't have to cook. So get a $20 fill-up from KFC. Choose from eight pieces of original recipe, extra crispy chicken, or 12 tenders. It comes with all the fixings to feed your whole family. Order ahead at KFC.com. KFC drive throughs are still open. Or stay in and get contactless delivery by Grubhub. With buckets of love, Colonel Sanders. Limited time only at participating locations only. Prices may vary. Tax and substitutions extra. Delivery service and additional fees apply. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. 
Soon, you'll have a separate fridge in the basement where extra groceries are exiled forever. Remember that frozen lasagna? Of course you don't. It's been down there since 2008. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Piece of cake. Behind the lasagna. It's very old. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Asking for help in life takes bravery. Women addicted to alcohol and drugs know this very well. Most suffer silently while their lives fall apart, their children and their families in crisis. For more than 40 years in Southern California, New Directions for Women has helped addicted women recover in a nationally recognized treatment facility in Costa Mesa. Their doors are wide open. It just takes the first step. Call New Directions for Women. The number is 888-786-0509. Again, 888-786-0509. You can also visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. New Directions for Women. They know recovery. Bruce Cook wants to hear from you. Now back to your host, Bruce Cook. Good Saturday, Sunday evening, ladies and gentlemen. Got the wrong date there. I'm Bruce Cook, and it is Sunday night on Angels Radio. It's Father's Day night all across Southern California. I'm honored that you're tuned in to me. I certainly hope you are if you're in your car, at home. If you're at home, I hope you're with your loved ones and your families because that's what today should be all about. My guest tonight, if you're just tuning in, is Edward Siegel. He's a crisis management expert from Washington, D.C., he handles clients with huge corporations, and he has a book coming out called Crisis Ahead. I left him before the commercial break, if you're just tuning in, and I asked a question of dividing the question or dividing the issue between a corporation making a fast and smart decision to correct an error that might cause some sort of racial divide or prejudice in, in society based on values versus based on economic decisions to protect a brand. What do you say, Mr. Siegel? Well, it's a little bit of both. Uh, every company, every organization uh, was established some, with some set of principles or belief um, or uh, philosophy, how they were going to do business, how they're going to sell their products, things of that nature. And unfortunately, after a company is launched and they, they start a product or a service, they're uh, oftentimes faced with some agonizing uh, questions about what to do, things that are not necessarily covered in their mission statement or their articles of incorporation or, or anything like that. Um, and that's why the people who lead and guide an organization may often become the conscience of the uh, of the organization of the company, and they have to make the right decisions on behalf of the founders, of themselves, of the, the, the company, the organization. So a lot can be on their shoulders. It doesn't have to be a moral decision. It just has to be a decision about what is the best thing to do, what are the best practices. Uh, and as in many cases, whether it's a matter of law or public relations or marketing or HR, there's a huge body of information, uh, tremendous uh, information about best practices that have been done. Uh, and that's why I always advise my, my crisis management uh, 
clients, don't guess what the answer is. Talk to the people who have background, who have seen this problem before, or have uh, sufficient education training, and they can provide you with uh, the information that you need to make the right decision. And that's exactly where we are today, whether it's a matter of racial justice, uh, dealing with problems of uh, racism and racist policies and practices, uh, whether it's uh, you know discrimination, whatever the problem is, and, and of course there's a health issue with the pandemic, uh, don't go it alone. Talk to the health experts if it's about the pandemic. The CDC has good guidelines and recommendations, and uh, health experts on the state and county and national level can provide guidance. So don't guess what's the best way to uh, deal with the pandemic. Uh, talk to the experts. The same thing with discrimination and racist policies. And talk to the experts. Talk to your, to your legal team. Talk to your HR people. Talk to your, your PR people. They will provide you with the advice and guidance you need to help make you the right decision. Make right the right decision. They may not tell you what to do, but at least they can give you the guidance and the framework so you can make the best possible decision based on what you think is right and what their guidance is for dealing with the problem. Edward, I have a cynical view that a lot of corporations, large and small, especially in the HR departments that are dealing with these kinds of problems that you've touched on. I think they're more afraid of lawsuits than they are afraid of doing the right thing. How do you respond? Well, they have a lot to be afraid of. <laughs> they make a wrong decision um, and can result in a lawsuit. And if they're a publicly traded company, they could uh, lose a lot of money. Uh, their insurance premiums might be affected. Uh, it's, it, it, it's good that they are afraid and concerned to make the right decision because so much can be on the line. Um, and that's why if you're a publicly traded company uh, or you're just a startup uh, or if you're uh, a sole practitioner, uh, it's, a, it's a crazy world out there. And you do need to pay attention to what's right and to do the right thing because if you make a misstep and you make the wrong decision or you choose not to deal with a problem, you're asking for lawsuits. You're, you're asking for uh, your image, your reputation to be damaged in the court of uh, uh, public opinion. Uh, it's a long list of problems and issues that can uh, uh, be a, a bad result of a wrong misstep and a wrong problem. But the opposite is also true. If you do the right thing the right way in the right time for the right reasons, uh, your stock price can go up. Uh, your, your image can improve. You can do a better job of uh, keeping and uh, retaining and uh, recruiting people to work for your company. You might improve your standing in the marketplace uh, and be perceived as a good corporate citizen. Can I put you so on the spot? To do the good thing. Let yes, me put you on the spot. Can you give a specific example of that happening in recent times? Well, I'd say what uh, Apple did the right thing uh, when the uh, coronavirus uh, became uh, as bad as it wound up being, uh, they closed all their stores outside of uh, China. Uh, they did not want to put their customers or their uh, employees at, at risk. Uh, they could have stayed over. They could say, well, we're going to make a buck no matter what. Well, they didn't say that. They, they said, we want to protect the people who work for us, who buy from us, uh, who use our products and the services, and we want to do um, the right thing. And they came across as... Uh, I think in the eyes of the public, um, as the good, right thing to do. Twitter is another good example. You know, Twitter, Twitter, when the pandemic 
first broke, uh, they encouraged their uh, employees uh, to work from home because they wanted to protect their people. And then they said, well, you, 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 it's not a matter of encouraging you. We want you to work from home. And then a couple of weeks ago, they said everyone is going to work from home permanently, forever. So they thought that the, the, the issue of the pandemic was so serious, there was no end in sight, and there is no end in sight even, even now that they did the right thing, and I congratulate them for uh, for doing it. That's a good example of doing the right thing for the right reasons at the right time. Well, it is also the right thing for the vast majority of millennials that work for Twitter who find this to be a new a new world lifestyle. I think it's quite uncomfortable for older people, but also don't forget one thing, and again, I'm being the devil here, by having workforce for a company like that, which is very doable, work from home, Twitter's going to save a lot of money on a lot of office space and a lot of that stuff that goes along with it. Am I wrong? No, they're going to save a lot of money, but they're also losing a lot of money. I saw an interview with uh, Tim Cook on one of the network shows today, and he, his, he and his company recently finished work on a billion-dollar corporate headquarters in Silicon Valley that is empty, and he sent everyone home. He did that for the right reason, and and he, he has to deal now, of course, the company has to deal now, of course, with uh, the consequences of having this billion-dollar structure that is completely empty. It looks like a, it looks like a uh, flying saucer. Yes, it does. It looks like it landed in a park someplace. <laughs> it's yeah. quite a structure. Yes, it's but quite quite a structure indeed. Commercial real estate is a good example. Uh, there are so many empty, empty stores and empty buildings. Uh, commercial real estate in every in every city and every community across the country is taking uh, a major hit. But that's an unfortunate economic uh, consequence of uh, of what we're going through. That to but me sure sounds like than having people show up every day in those same buildings and uh, mm-hmm. make the pandemic even worse. That to me sounds like a crisis ahead in commercial real estate. What's your crystal ball tell us? I think they have to. Re- I think commercial real estate needs to reinvent itself and find different reasons, different purposes to fill that uh, to fill that space. But that's gonna that's gonna be a long term crisis because so many people are still afraid uh, to uh, to go back into the cities or to work in a in a uh, an office building. And given the new realities of how you have to protect yourself and social distancing and plexiglass uh, barriers between desks and so on, um, that's going to be a huge reinvention of the commercial world, uh, at least for offices are concerned, for how do you get people back to come into work? Or do you? Maybe that, you know, that might be an old way of doing things. So many people are working at home now, those that are fortunate to have a job, of course, that they may really enjoy being at home, and the companies are reinventing the way their employees work. So we're going to have a lot of empty office space and a lot of stores uh, that we need to do something with. I uh, heard today that there there are at least 100,000 small businesses that are not going to come back, that are shuttered, and uh, and they're gone. What are we going to do with that space? That's a huge problem, and there's no easy answer to it. No kidding. What do you you think— I'm going to give you this question before we take our half-hour break. Do you think when the vaccine comes, and it is sure to come eventually, that this will all just blow over? Think about that 
Ed Siegel on the phone tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Edward Siegel from Washington, D.C. We're talking a lot of issues that we all face. I'm Bruce Cook. It's Angels Radio, AMA 30, and we will be right back. Angels Radio, AMA 30. Asking for help in life takes bravery. Women addicted to alcohol and drugs know this too well. Most suffer silently while their lives fall apart, their children and families in crisis. For more than 40 years in Southern California, New Directions for Women have helped addicted women recover at our nationally recognized addiction treatment center in Costa Mesa. Our door is wide open. Take the first step. Call us at 888-786-0509 or visit us at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. Again, 888-786-0509. New Directions for Women. We know recovery. CVS Pharmacy delivers. And right now, to meet the needs of the current health situation, we're offering one to two day delivery for free. Get prescriptions and other everyday essentials like vitamins, allergy relief, snacks, and more from your local CVS. We understand your concern, and this is just one of the ways we can help you to be prepared and stay well. Visit CVS.com or call your local CVS pharmacy to get started. Restrictions apply. Offer valid on orders with a prescription. For 95 years, SIA LTL Freight has hit the road to deliver the goods that keep businesses and communities moving. Now, in this uncertain time, we won't stop going that extra mile because at the end of the day, we are all in this together for the long haul. SIA LTL Freight, driving stability, safety, support, and strength. Visit SIA.com. That's SAIA.com. If the woman you love, your mom, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend, is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, New Directions for Women can help. It's a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility that has the answer. Since 1977, New Directions for Women has helped more than 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sobriety, healthy living, restoring love and hope, and providing dignity for them and for their families. Don't waste another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call New Directions. The number is 888-786-0509. Once again, call 888-786-0509 or visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. That's New Directions for Women. They know recovery. To talk to Bruce Cook, pick up the phone and dial 714-2830-830. And we are back. Hi, Bruce Cook. Angels Radio, Sunday night, Father's Day. My very special guest tonight, Edward Siegel, author of Crisis Ahead. Before our break, I asked Mr. Siegel what he thought, how these things we've discussed that are changing so radically in the new world would last if there is a vaccine that takes away this pandemic fear. Edward. 
Well, some things are going to come back sooner rather than later um, if and when uh, there is a vaccine. But uh, don't hold your breath about a vaccine coming anytime soon or one that works because history shows it takes months or years to develop an effective uh, proven vaccine. We don't know if one dose will do it. We don't know if multiple doses. We don't know if there have to be perhaps even different vaccines uh, given over time. There's so much we do not know. But let's assume for the sake of argument that it works and uh, a year or two from now the, uh, the vaccine uh, is, is uh, commonplace and people recovering. Um, some things are going to take a long time to, to bounce back. Uh, there are now more than 40 million people who are uh, don't have jobs, who have been furloughed, they've been fired, uh, they're taking uh, unemployment insurance. Uh, those businesses and the companies that let them go or furlough them, they're going to have their own challenges to uh, uh, to recover. And those who have those companies that have disappeared, 100,000 or so small businesses, for example, um, they're not going to come back anytime soon either. So that is going to be a long-term economic uh, crisis. In fact, it took us uh, about 10 years to recover from the financial crisis from uh, 2007 or 2008. It definitely uh, did. You're so right. It so, definitely did. You know, I hope we get the crisis behind us, as the pandemic crisis behind us as soon as possible. But the economic, the social, uh, the other, other crises that have spawned up under the umbrella of this larger one, um, that's good. They will be with us for many years to come. You've been at this for a long time. Did you see any of this coming? I, if I, if I was able to see this, I would have played the stock market differently. <laughs> I, I, I would have played. Uh, I would have gone to Las Vegas a lot sooner. Um, no, it's it was what I knew when I wrote the book was that. It's not a matter if there's going to be a crisis. It's what is going to happen and how bad it's going to be. Because history shows that there is always going to be another crisis. You don't know the nature, how bad, uh, the consequences, the duration. There's a lot you don't know in a crisis. But we have a long history uh, of having to deal with a crisis. In fact, just as the pandemic was getting started, I started to, to, uh, to do some research uh, on other pandemics that we had uh, in our history, we had the 1918 flu pandemic, uh, and that lasted for several years. We had the polio uh, epidemic and pandemic that lasted that lasted for decades. We had AIDS. We had you know it's a long list, um, and we also have a history of a disappointing, concerning pattern as far as I'm concerned for dealing with these different health crises. We usually deny it, hope to go away grudgingly admit that it's here, then we play catch-up and try to do the right thing. And here we are again. We're trying to catch up and do the right thing. We are so far behind where we should be, where other countries, you know, did a much better job of responding and recovering than we are. And uh, we're paying for uh, the delay. And now uh, it making even matters even worse. We know what works. And we have state after state after state where people are disregarding common sense health guidelines of how to prevent getting the pandemic. And we're seeing already uh, alarming spikes in those cities and those towns and those states where uh, hundreds or thousands of people disregarded what we know can stop or prevent or lessen the pandemic. So rather than making things better, 
lot of a lot of our fellow citizens around the country are disregarding common sense, safe practices, and they're actually making the pandemic worse. Do you think that, it's that is just crazy? Do you think it's because they just don't believe what they're hearing, or because the information uh, tends to be very conflicted from day to day, um, or do you think they're just being very cavalier and saying it's not going to happen to me? It basically is is affecting older people in rest homes, and certain minorities seem to have a predisposition to it. So why do I need to worry? I need to get back to work. I'm dying economically, and if I die economically, it's not worse than dying from a disease of the flu. Uh, there's a, There are millions of people that are spouting this. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because the last person I would want to take uh, advice from for my health would be a politician. <laughs> and we need to listen to the experts. We need to follow the facts and the data and follow the science. And it's, it's really unfortunate that even such a basic issue as to whether or not to wear a mask has become a political issue. It shouldn't be a red state, blue state um, issue. It should be a common, self, common sense, best practices. How do I protect myself, my friends, my family, my elderly parents, my young children? And now that's, that's been another alarming issue where uh, just in the last couple of days, there's been a big spike across the country of young people in their 20s and 30s, and they're getting the disease uh, in, uh, in, uh, in greater numbers. Um, so my, and the, other, the other thing is in a national public health emergency, and this is what it is, a national public health emergency, protecting yourself should not be an option. You know, doing the right thing should not be an option. Having your belief system override common sense or take precedence over what we know is from science um, works makes absolutely no sense to me from a crisis management standpoint. So going forward, if we don't do the right thing, if we don't come to our senses and protect ourselves for you know the way science says we can protect ourselves, then we're making a bad situation even worse. We're making a horrible pandemic um, uh, go on and on and on. And as a result, it will have a ripple effect. The longer the pandemic goes on, the worse the economy is going to be. More people are going to be out of work. It becomes a, a death spiral, if you will, um, that is entirely preventable if we do the right thing. So we need to, need to do the right thing. I saw in California uh, where, where the governor is now mandating if you're outside, you have to wear a mask. Uh, in New York, on the other side of the country, Governor Cuomo threatened to shut down Manhattan and the uh, Hamptons uh, beach communities on Long Island because of the number of people who are disregarding social distancing. Uh, and some states are actually talking about uh, reimposing shutdowns and uh, more stringent guidelines. So uh, here we go again. We don't need to make matters worse. We can, be, we can make matters better. One of the scientists said recently that if everyone in the country wore a mask and practiced social distancing, this pandemic would be over in a matter of weeks. And at this rate, it's going to be with us for many months or longer to come because we're not doing the right thing. On that note, Mr. Siegel, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bruce Cook, Angels Radio, Father's Day night in California. Angels Radio. 
If the woman you love, your mother, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, let us help. New Directions for Women, a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility, has the answer. Since 1977, we have helped over 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sober, healthy living, restoring love, hope, and dignity to them and their families. Don't wait another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call us at 888-786-0509 or visit us at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. Again, 888-786-0509. New Directions for Women. We know recovery. Could your car use a spring cleaning? Now's the time to stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts for great deals on everything you need to keep your car looking new. Like Mother's California Gold Wash and Wax, just $4.99 for a 64-ounce bottle. That's a $6 savings. Or online at O'ReillyAuto.com. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You've been camping in your backyard, cycling in your living room. You've been enjoying rain showers in your bathroom, campfires on your TV screen. You've been counting stars and birds from your window and holding family cookouts in the kitchen. Now, get ready to go. Go on a real vacation. Take the wheel at your nearest RV dealer or at GoRVing.com. Asking for help in life takes bravery. Women addicted to alcohol and drugs know this very well. Most suffer silently while their lives fall apart, their children and their families in crisis. For more than 40 years in Southern California, New Directions for Women has helped addicted women recover in a nationally recognized treatment facility in Costa Mesa. Their doors are wide open it just takes the first step. Call New Directions for Women. The number is 888-786-0509. Again, 888-786-0509. You can also visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. New Directions for Women. They know recovery. Bruce Cook wants to hear from you. Now back to your host, Bruce Cook. And we're back, Angels Radio fans. I'm Bruce Cook. It's Sunday night. Happy Father's Day, everybody listening tonight. So glad that you're tuned into our station. So glad that you're listening to the show. I do appreciate it. Edward, I want to switch gears in our last segment. Uh, we've talked extensively about the pandemic, and I want to switch back to the racial divide and and what's going on, specifically in terms of business, which is one of the reasons you're on tonight. And I want to start with something that happened a couple of weeks ago that I bet you could comment on. Um, Alexis Ohanian, who is the chairman of Reddit, made the news by resigning his position as chairman of the board of the company that he founded. Listeners, uh, if you may not recognize the name, 
Alexis O'Hanion is the husband of Serena Williams, the incredible tennis player. And his statement to the media and to the press on his resignation was that he wanted to set an example for his young child. He, he and uh, Williams have a, a young daughter. And they wanted to set an example for her. He wanted to set an example for her. And he said, quote, basically, when my daughter grows up, I want her to know that I did something specifically to make a difference for uh, black Americans trying to find a better place in business. Edward, I found this to be touching, but I also found it to be somewhat disingenuous. Why would the chairman of the board of a company have to resign to make a place for a person of minority status to join a board? Does that sound hollow to you? Well, whenever a CEO or any high-ranking corporate official resigns, um, I always try to look behind the scenes and figure out what is what is the real story. Um, a lot of uh, CEOs uh, in our history, corporate America history um, have resigned because of a scandal. Uh, sometimes it's a matter of health. Sometimes there's a personal issue. They they just don't want uh, to uh, uh, to surface, and they're they're happy to live with the headlines of them resigning, just so they can get on with their lives. So I can't pass any judgment about this particular situation, but um, I know I have represented companies and CEOs who were who were fired. Uh, or who got into trouble and to have leave the company, um, it's, it, it could be uh, one of the messier crises you have to uh, uh, deal with. That it's uh, such a, a, a visible uh, company, and um, his life is uh, his spouse is uh, uh, so well known. Um, it's not an easy decision uh, to leave uh, to leave the company, um, and. Um, in the business world, it could have a lot of ripple effects. If they want to give more opportunities to more people, I mean, that, that's a good, worth, worthwhile uh, goal for anybody to do anything. Uh, if, they're resigning, if they're resigning from the company for the right reasons, um, if they want to you know, step aside for more people, whether it's younger blood or different color or uh, different diversity, uh, that, that's a corporate decision. And it goes back to what we talked about uh, earlier tonight. And it goes back to the values of the people who are leading the company. It goes back to the core values of the of the company itself. Um, and if someone can't uh, adhere to those values, it's a time for them to set, step aside. Or if they think there's more progress could be done if they were not there, uh, and, and time for fresh blood and different perspective, um, that's uh, that's a traditional uh, reason for people to step aside. Let me ask you the real tough question as a follow-up. Do you believe that there is intrinsic racism in American business today? Yes. If you just look at the facts, if you look at the number of uh, people of color who are in boardrooms, people of color who are managers, people of color who are CEOs, or chairmen of the board. Um, it is a uh, not a pretty picture that, that given the percentage of uh, people of color in this country who comprise uh, the workforce, and you do the math and say, okay, how many of, of people of their color are in any kind of leadership or corporate uh, or board position? 
um, then the facts speak for themselves. Except do you think you know, they're except do you think that people are truly kept down because of their race? There are plenty of I don't of, know what people are kept down. That, that that that's another conversation. I think it's society. I think it's the way we treat people. I think it's a matter of the opportunities people have as opposed to the opportunities people create. I, I applaud your earlier commentary about you know, people make their own way and the opportunities. Yes, there, I'd be the first to admit we have more opportunities for more people than we ever had before. But we also have the same legacy problems, the same legacy issues of color, of race, of religion, um, that, uh, that still is with us from the day we started as a, as, a, as a country. It's changed over time. Our history speaks that there are different minorities and different problems, uh, whether you're black or brown or uh, the American Indian and, and uh, what we did to the Japanese Americans in World War II or what, you know, the experiences of the Jews or the Irish. Or the, it's, a long, it's a long list, Bruce, and it's not easily resolved by one demonstration or one executive order uh, or, uh, you know, one tragic episode that goes viral because someone was able to uh, make a, a YouTube video it is a long, persistent problem that we have as a country. And if there's any silver lining to what we're going through now, um, it has all the markings of being a watershed moment in American history that maybe at a, at, at, it's taken a while, but there are key turning points in American history where eventually finally people do the right thing. Um, and for a lot of problems that we're dealing with as a, as a country, we might be on the verge or in the middle of uh, one of those moments, which could have far-reaching impact, not just what's happening in Washington or, or in Los Angeles or Orange County, but in boardrooms, in workshops, in, 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 in uh, companies and organizations for how people are treated, the opportunities that they're created, the frank and honest conversations about race that we need to have with each other, about working with people who are different from us or look different or sound different or believe in a different God from us, this is the time to have those conversations. And with any conversation, it could lead to good, positive change. And we are a history, we have a history as a country of eventually finally doing the right thing, of changing and evolving and of moving forward. And if we nurture this moment going forward, this could be a, 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 a moment of change uh, in a good way and a little bit of improvement, and uh, it could be a great step in the right direction to help fix a lot of what's been wrong with this country for, for decades. Well, your optimism is refreshing. I'm not sure that I agree with all of it, though, I'm afraid. I think that uh, I think that so much that is happening in this so-called watershed moment is very superficial, and I want to believe that things will change for the better, but I am adamantly against any corporation making capricious moves because they think it's politically correct or the right thing or the so-called right thing to do to appease whatever is happening when there are mobs in the streets that have to be stopped and that's a different show so i'm not going to go go there but but i had to bring it up because as we conclude our time together uh the violence in america is so so against what everything we're talking about tonight and it so undermines everything that you aspire that you share tonight in terms of hope for a better future 
And I think it scares millions of people. And it scares them to the point that they will refuse to, quote unquote, do the right thing, as you suggest, both in business and in their personal life. And that the undercurrent, the undercurrent as a result of it is silence, that people are afraid to speak out. So many people are just so threatened. They're afraid to speak the truth. Your book, and I haven't read it, but I've read excerpts, is all about transparency. And it seems like political correctness has replaced honest, truthful transparency. I'll give you the last word, Edward. We're just about out of time, and it's really unfair of me to drop that on you with two minutes to go. But please take the last word and plug your book. Well, thank you. I'll start with the last first. Uh, The book is called Crisis Ahead, 101 Ways to Prepare for and Bounce Back from Disasters, Scandals, and Other Emergencies. And it's now available uh, on Amazon and Barnes and Noble as an ebook, and uh, was made available this week um, as a paperback on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and independent uh, bookstores. And if you have independent bookstores, I, I know you do in, in Orange uh, County, uh, be sure to patronize them because uh, it's a tough time for them as well. Uh, you know, transparency is absolutely important. And so is coming to terms with the problems that are happening in our society and also the problems that are happening in your own company, your own organization, and your own community. Part of my book is all about preventing a crisis and uh, what you can do to prevent it. And a great way to prevent a, a crisis from blowing up in your face is if you see a problem, you hear a problem, you know a problem, don't wait to fix the problem. Do the right thing. Do it now. And if you're fortunate and you put it behind you, it does not blow up in your face. And the Crisis Management Hall of Fame is filled with companies, organizations, and individuals that when they found a problem, they said, well, maybe we'll do it another time. Maybe it's not a priority. Things get so much worse so quickly if you don't do the right thing now. So whatever company, organization you're involved in, if you see a problem, an issue that you think needs to be fixed so it doesn't blow up in your face, don't wait until it becomes a major crisis. And that's the other reason I hope people will get my book. It has exercises, it has scenarios, it has checklists, it has great examples to learn from uh, for how companies and organizations dealt with a crisis, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the bottom line, Bruce, it's always better to learn from the successes and failures of others than to repeat their mistakes, and you have to learn the lesson the hard way. My well, book is all about making it easy as possible, so I hope you will get my book. And check out my website at publicrelations.com and for on, more information. On that, Mr. Siegel, I thank you so much for your time tonight. Uh, Father's Day night here in Southern California. It's been a joy and a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for coming on Angels Radio. Have a great week. Angels Radio listeners, you do the same. Have a great week also. And come back again next Sunday night for our talk show together. Join me, Bruce Cook, Sunday Night Live, Angels Radio, AM 830. Good night, everyone. You've been listening to The Bruce Cook Conversation. Hear The Bruce Cook Conversation on Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific on AM 830 KLAA. And hear the podcasts of every show on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public.